You've done some pretty awful things to me in my time, but this takes the bloody biscuit. And you've pissed on that biscuit, and I've got to eat it. Well, here's the news, Malcolm. I will not eat the pissy biscuit. Sam, no pissy biscuits. This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 65, for the week of January 9th, 2012. I am motionless jumbo jet passenger David T. Cole, and I'm here with whimsical pet Joe Reed. I'm a kitty cat. And classy pickpocket Tara Ariano. Oh, excuse me. Happy New Year, everybody. Yay. Our first full podcast I know. of the new year. Very the last exciting. time we recorded podcasts, we recorded seven podcasts. We recorded a lot of podcasts. In one day. It was a marathon. I'm still a little winded. Yeah. So the- since then, we've uh, traveled. We've mm-hmm. had Christmas. We've had New Year's. We went back home with our family, and inevitably we escaped we did. To our rooms to watch TV. To the cocoon of media. Yes. <laughs> to the cinemas to watch uh, films. So what we thought yeah. we'd do is we do a Christmas vacation roundup. Yes. Uh, quick bites on all the stuff we consumed and what we thought of it. Yep. And uh, so let's start with Joe and yes. Joe, Warhorse. I did. I saw Warhorse while I was in Buffalo for Christmas. Uh, it is a seriously hokey movie. Yeah. Um, like old time hokey? Like, Feel good? Yeah, like very just sentimental, like crazy and filmed in this sort of soft light. And it's, you, you know, loved it. human. I really did. <laughs> I really, really, it worked for me in a way that not Spielberg always doesn't make it for me. And this one, I felt like, you know what? This is sort of kind of, I don't know, like a fairy tale about a horse in World War One, which sounds horrifying and terrible but it's actually it really works for me i thought the cast was good uh cumberbatch yield uh, cumberbatch who yeah, everybody loves sure. and tom hiddleston who was in thor and was in midnight paris and he's really really good in this for the brief time that he's in it um how many trenches worked. did the horse jump over during the film several yeah. dave i will say that and a tank <laughs> jumped over a tank he jumped he, he didn't clear it in one jump did but he, he jump uh, on top of the tank over a tank open the lid and throw a grenade in it and they closed it <laughs> and that's how we won the war <laughs> yeah no it that's was in uh, the sequel weird horse <laughs> I wish <gasps> maybe the success of War Horse now <laughs> to the will open the doors. The, the Twitter account, Weird yes, Horse. you know, you never know. A glut that. of horse-related oh action God. movies. I would, I would watch Weird Horse every day. I was gonna say, yeah, you would love that. I would. On the uh, British tip, um, we all saw uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Speaking yes. of Benedict Cumberbatch, exactly. Well, yeah, he's everywhere. Um, he is. And as many people have called it, which I kind of agree, was uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier. Huh? What? <laughs> huh? What? Um, it's a really uh, dense movie with characters yeah. coming in and out. Many characters never appear on screen, but are talked about in. Uh, yes. In, the, know, the, whatever, quite... the Russian guy they keep talking about that never shows up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I enjoyed the look of this film and I enjoyed the set pieces for sure and the costuming and it's always great when they get that many great actors together. But I had no fucking idea what was going on in this movie after about 45 minutes. I just lost a thread and I can never really pick the whole thing back up together again. At the end of the movie, I'm like, sure, he was the spy. This is good as anybody else, I I, suppose. Oh, let's say. I I picked... (laughs) 
I picked up, uh, I will confess, because I watched this on a screener, so I watched it uh, in the comfort of my bedroom. Mm-hmm. And after about the first half hour, and when I paused it to get up to go to the bathroom, I came back and I did uh, open up Wikipedia. Yeah. And I caught myself up to where... Just to confirm that what I thought was happening was yeah. happening and to clear up like one or two things. And then I was fine throughout the thing. But it really took like John Hurt died when yeah. and like who got fired from what and who is this name that we keep hearing. But once that happened, I thought you know, it's a very handsome movie. It's a very I appreciated in the same way I appreciated like con- how Contagion was very yeah. cold and uh, studious. I liked that about Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. Um, and it serves as a warning never to move to Britain. Yeah, Unless well, you want to be really depressed and... Ooh, so gray. Wow. So but I want to live in their headquarters still. Yeah. Yeah. The That's, circus? Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. The, uh, their soundproof headquarters within a headquarters Loved building. It. Yeah. Loved awesome. everything yeah. That's where it. we should be recording this. <laughs> we wouldn't get so Those much walls, echo. <laughs> Those walls looked very cushy. I did like that. Yeah. Um, Joe, you got a couple movies coming up here. Yeah. yeah. You got Beginners uh-huh. and something called The Future, which okay. I've never heard of. So, but you hadn't... You'd seen the f- Beginners before, had no, you? No, I hadn't. What? No, I was like the only person who hadn't seen Beginners. I know. How did you not see Beginners when it was still in theaters? I will tell you. um, I don't like Ewan McGregor. Hmm. So I avoided it in the theater, and I knew it was something that I was going to have to see. And then Mark, on our best of the year, called it his favorite movie of the year. And so I was like, well, well, shit. Now I've really got to see it. (laughs) Um, But I sort of jumped... Just for the record, yeah. you, you're not bound by that. Just because Mark likes something doesn't mean you have to see it. I signed a contract when we agreed to share an apartment together, <laughs> and it was very detailed. But you don't live with him anymore. I Doesn't know. that break the contract? No, but I. But his recommendation does carry a lot of weight with me. But okay. so I'm looping. I'm lumping these two together because the director of Beginners is Mike Mills, and the director of The Future is, of course, Miranda July, and they are married, and they have a very similar sort of whimsical streak that really presents themselves in these two movies. And Beginners, I didn't hate. Beginners, I don't get the fuss about um, in a way where part of it is my thing with Ewan McGregor. I loved the Christopher Plummer stuff. There just wasn't enough of it for yeah. me. And I liked how uglied up uh, Goran Vizhnik got yeah. to be like an appropriately strange kind of paramour to Christopher Plummer. Mm-hmm. That whole thing I liked. Uh, but ultimately, the Ewan McGregor and Melanie Laurent and the fucking dog, like, whatever, it was a little too too cutesy-poo for me. Sure. Um, the future I knew I was going to hate, and so I picked it out to hate watch on the train back from uh, Buffalo, and boy, did that deliver on every what, what is the future? I've never the heard future, of it. The future, it's, uh, it's basically... my boyfriend, Hamish Linklater. Her boyfriend, Hamish Linklater, and Miranda July play this uh, sort of... Uh, hipster blogger type couple. Oh, I hate it already. Who, um, and they have the same fucking stupid haircut. And uh, <laughs> they decide that they're going to adopt this wounded cat. And But they never do adopt the wounded cat because it has to stay in the veterinary hospital for 30 days. And in this 30 days, they're going to like, whatever, live the last 30 days of their life because once they have responsibility, their life is over, whatever. This just sounds like a sad story somebody tells when you meet them for the second time in Brooklyn. Oh, and it's so self-indulgent. At and a it's bar. so like, these cat, people are they never terrible. Saw. And the cat itself is uh, keeps showing up to narrate the movie. And it's this like, <laughs> wait, this like... <laughs> 
this like paw, this like whatever puppet paw that's bandaged up is all you see. No. And then you hear Miranda July's voice as the fucking cat. Joe, don't tell stories. In this sub Marcel the shell with shoes on voice where it's like, they never came to pick me up. And, la, la, la. and it's the worst. <laughs> it's so the worst. But if you are if you are in the mood, it's not very long. That's the only that's the reason why I actually decided to watch it. I will hate watch something if it's under two hours. So this, that I think this was an hour and a half. It was very short, um, wow. but it's brutal. It's okay, really, if really you bad. want a good pop culture take on uh, animals that narrate things, uh-huh. there is a book. I swear to God, it's one of the funniest books <laughs> I've ever read. Yeah. It's called "I Was Hitler's Dog." Oh, wow. is, oh yeah, I was Hitler's cat. Yeah, and a lot of it revolves around his dog Blondie, which is why I got confused. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's all about the last days of Hitler in the bunker, as yeah. told through uh, his cat. That was a uh, yeah walking around, but, so funny. Yeah, this is just like. Awful asshole people trying to be like oh quirky. Ugh, worst, All right, let's worst. wash that out of your mouth. Yes, let's get that taste out. Yeah, let's move on to Sherlock Holmes: A, a Game of Shadows, mm-hmm. or as we like to call it, Oh Holmes. Precisely. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was a perfectly fine, forgettable sequel to a perfectly fine, forgettable film in the first place. Yeah, yeah we were listening to uh, when we were driving back from Syracuse this weekend. We watched, we listened to a lot of Doug Loves movies, mm-hmm. and he his, his estimation of it was: if you like the first one, you'll like the second one, because yeah. they basically are the same. At the end of it, I I think I said, I know I said I liked it better than the first one. Yeah, but I think I just was movie you know, high. I, I was having <laughs> a movie high because yeah. I realized I barely remembered anything about the first yeah. one at all. Yeah. Um, but this, the sequel benefits from having more of, well, having Moriarty in it, yeah. which the first one didn't. But I would say that's kind of a waste of a classic villain. Like, like he well, wasn't really was in it. I don't think that was the end of him. Well, okay. But in the movie, he wasn't in it that much and there wasn't that much Holmes versus Moriarty on mm-hmm. the screen. I guess. In which I thought was a little yeah. lost opportunity. Might I inquire about one of the uh, new characters? What did you guys think of uh, Numi Rapace, or she however was, we pronounce her name? She was fine. The Swedish girl with the dragon tattoo. She I've never seen her in anything, an and accent. all of a sudden she's every, in everything. And yeah, I, there was nothing remarkable about yeah. the performance. It was just there. It could have been anybody. Yeah. Um, I had two other problems with this movie. Uh, one is that, and this is just really pedantic, but the yeah. word camouflage wasn't a word until World War I. I saw you mentioned that, yeah, yeah. Um, and they use it, these urban Did camouflage. Did you stand up and point at the screen and go, wrong? Yeah. <laughs> and I, well, I already tweeted my problem with it, which was we've, we first in this movie meet Sherlock's brother, Mycroft, who's played by Stephen Fry. And at one point he encounters a bride and he says to her, I understand congratulations are in order. Like, yes, to the groom. You don't congratulate it's, the bride. It's best wishes to the bride. You say best wishes or I wish you joy. <laughs> you congratulate the groom because he's the one who did something by finding a woman to marry him, not the other way around. Expect a letter from the queen. Yeah. yeah. And surprisingly, the other problem I had with this film was that it broke one of my rules of how to write science fiction, uh-huh. which is don't have amazing magical shapeshifters in the movie. Oh, now, they didn't they have the actual shapeshifters, shape no. but they had miraculous surgery that yes. made people look exactly yeah. like other people when we can't even do that today. That's the unclosable door. Oh, or once you open that, it's it is. just... Yeah. Okay, but just to jump ahead, there is but, another movie this season that actually closed the door after they opened it, put a bookmark in that. That was the talking point for later. All, right. All I was going to say about that is that I'm not convinced that the person that... This is, can you spoilers a hoe this? Because uh, there's uh-oh. no way to, yep. oh, you didn't? Nope. Can I, I can sing it, it myself? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Spoilers a ho, fun ahoy. Okay, so the situation is Numira Pace's brother is some kind of anarchist. And so he's been given plastic surgery on his face to look exactly like an ambassador at this Uh summit of some kind. All I was going to say is it's possible that they just made up this ambassador person. He wasn't anybody. Yeah. And they just had the brother look like this guy they invented for the purposes of this thing. Number one. That's yeah. bullshit. Number two. What a fan wank. Wow. I don't know. I'm just saying. That's a possibility. All yes, right. you're right. It is fan I have been known to fan wank, so. I, 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 I don't my even know to. why I'm bothering. It's like I love this movie so much. I'm just saying. You love Guy Ritchie. They, Bottom they line. So I think they fudged it. Yeah. Bottom line is it's almost exactly the same as the first one in terms of quality yeah, and everything else yeah. mm-hmm. uh, okay Joe yes Albert Knobs oh god the All Glenn right. Close Butler vehicle <gasps> okay that's this driving is, everybody crazy this is not a good movie but this is a movie I'm gonna recommend that people see wow. because it's so fucking weird it's so like obviously oh you know glenn close lives her life uh as a man clearly it's going to be weird but it's weird even beyond the like parameters that it sets for itself where it's Mm -hmm. like and i keep going back to the costumes i talked about this on twitter and my blog and whatever but i'm gonna say it again the costumes in this are the wackest things i've ever seen where she lives her entire life as a man and yet her every piece of clothing and she's so fastidious and like and everything she wears completely emphasizes her womanly hips and completely emphasizes this sort of like lady figure that she cuts. Some men have womanly hips. And then, but, and then you got to see Janet McTeer in this thing. So Janet McTeer plays another woman living as a man who encounters Albert Knobs, the only two people in fucking Dublin that are just randomly run into each other. Um, so to disguise, because Glenn Close can like whatever, bind down her boobs and mm-hmm. you know, uh, Janet McTeer, as we see in the movie, has fucking giant hooters. Yeah, and capital knockers. <laughs> Seriously. They are. And so to mask this, because she can't like clamp them down in any way, she uh, stuffs her midsection with like stuffing, basically. So it's like Santa Claus. It's like roly poly Santa oh. Claus, where it's like skinny neck, slender arms, and like a bowl full of jelly, where. <laughs> She, she kind of looks like a kid's drawing of mom and dad well, with the stick arms and then like the giant torso. I watched it with Mark and Mark was like, she looks like one of those people who are training attack dogs and when they like <laughs> oh, yeah. they wear the big like <laughs> stuffy shirt to make sure that the dog can bite them and not hurt them. Um, it's not a good movie. It's like weirdly inco- inconsistent, but... I would say if you see it on uh, on HBO or whatever, don't go out of your way to pay for I'm it. I'm never going to see it. So oh, can, it's can, funny though. It can be really, really funny. Can with you the right spoil crowd. the end for Dave's me? Dave's not going to see it. Yeah. Okay. So at the end, what is he trying to or she rather? Yeah. Uh, what's going on? What's well? What's, this is one of the problems in the movie is you you're never entirely sure of what she wants to where she wants to get to because she because in the trailer she seems she seems to be romancing. Mia Wasikowska, yes, yes. But the main thing that Albert wants to do is to own a smoke shop. She wants to own a cigarette 
store, uh, a tobacco store. And whether she wants to do that as a man with Mia Wasikowska as uh, her bride is one possibility. But also you get the sense that like there's a scene where it makes it look like she wants she longs to be able to live free as a woman. And then sometimes she wants to go into this like cohabitation agreement with Janet McTeer's character where they both own the smoke shop. And it's very unclear uh, what she wants out of life. And I guess maybe that's part of the character because the character is so reticent and so like has spent her, her entire life sort of not living as herself but it's very unclear and what happens in the end uh spoilers oh she dies oh yeah well that just takes the question out out of picture yes phew thanks writers (laughs) okay tara yeah it's time to tell everybody about new year's eve oh i can't believe you saw that um when i came back I, I I started fun employment's over. I started a, jo- a temporary job today, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm consulting at MTV for seven weeks. Hooray. But uh, when I announced this on my various social media outlets, our friend Melissa wanted to try and see a movie before I started this job, and so I said we could either see a Dangerous Method or Carnage if we wanted to go highbrow. Yes. Or I said I would be <laughs> probably pretty easily talked into. We bought a zoo or New Year's Eve, and she said, because she lives in Williamsburg, she'd prefer not to see Carnage because it seems like something that might happen to her in real life. Yes. And she didn't feel like seeing a Dangerous Method, so long story short. Yeah. Kind of. Dangerous Method's not worth seeing. We went to New Year's Eve, and... It's ter- obviously it's terrible. Obviously, it's even dumber hey, than Valentine's. We Day. We saw Valentine's Day it's, in the theater. Did you see it? I forget if you saw it. We saw it together. No, 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 no. Oh, New, New Year's, Year's Eve. Eve. No, I haven't. Okay, so <laughs> I'm not going to spend too much time on it because it's so idiotic. Uh, spoil but- away. It turns into the New Year. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if it oh ended right when the in the two, middle of the countdown? One. Credits. No, everybody yeah. dies just like Albert. No, there's so many cameos. Like not only every time it's like, oh, it's a nurse, it's Halle Berry. Like there's all those moments where it's like, okay, everyone in the world is in it. But then it's like there's even smaller cameos of like, why is Alyssa Milano in one <laughs> scene? Like it's very weird. Yeah. But uh, and Matthew Broderick has like a part as Hillary Swank's. Fu- there's so many p- stupid plot things. I'm not even they yeah. bother getting into it because no one who listened to it saw it and rightly so. But <laughs> sitting in front of me and Melissa were these two guys. <laughs> we found out at the end one of whom who had seen it before oh, and brought God. his friend. They were like older 50-ish guys. I want to assume they were gay but probably. Right. And they like every time somebody appeared on the screen they were like yeah! Like, and, <laughs> and we laughed and they laughed and like we were practically high-fiving about it. it Isn't that like, fun when you get movie yes, theaters symbiosis yes like and then there were girls like across the aisle that were obviously like totally on the same page and we yeah, saw yeah. it at a nearby theater so i'm not like that it's a it's a little bit iffy sometimes depending yeah. on what you're seeing but i feel like at the 410 show on a yeah, monday yeah 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 Everyone was pretty much on the same page. I feel like we achieved that when we saw Obsessed. Remember we when did. we saw Obsessed? And it I was felt like exactly the, the same entire thing. theater conformed yes. to our worldview yes, of Obsessed. Speaking of Obsessed, congratulations, Beyonce, on your fake baby. Congratulations. I know. Stupid name. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Margaret. Margaret, uh, which was made in 2005, was oh. supposed to come out in 2006, and has spent five years being tied up in a sort of battle of wills between Kenneth Lonergan, who directed it, who also directed You Can Count On Me, which is one of my very favorite movies. Yes. Um, and Fox Searchlight, the studio, which didn't want to release a nearly three-hour movie that has uh, basically is a meandering story about... Uh, coping with responsibility for a tragic accident that you feel like you may have caused and it's 
it goes a lot of places and it is not a, a neat and tidy movie. Anna Paquin plays this teenage girl, this monstrously selfish teenage girl, but very uh, recognizable and identifiable. Um, and then she, she sort of, she is maybe responsible for this bus accident and maybe not. And it's sort of this gray area, but she spends the rest of the movie sort of dealing with her own shit and then projecting that guilt onto other people and to the bus driver and to, uh, sort of this friend of the woman who died, who is, uh, looking for, also looking for, uh, some resolution with this. And it sounds it's, like a uh, side story to the sweet hereafter. It's, yeah. it's kind of like the sweet hereafter. Right up, it's right up there with the bus crash. Yeah. But it's a lot of like snapshot of New York in the, in the years after nine 11 kind of stuff in a way that's not very, uh, overt, mm-hmm. but is clearly present. It's a really, it's a really interesting movie and it's made me think about it a lot since I saw it and I saw it maybe a week ago. And, it's playing in one theater it's in New York theater. and on all flights on Delta. That's the weird ass <laughs> thing. That's the other thing. I got home from seeing it after waiting forever for it to come to theaters at yeah. Cinema Village. Um, and so there was this whole, you know, movie critics had to like organize to get it back in the theaters. And thank God they did because I want to. I thought you were going to say movie critics had to take special cross-country flights just to, re- <laughs> just to review the movie. It was like the last season of Lost where they had to keep getting onto airplanes yeah. and hoping that their flight would be the one that showed it. Um, it's it's worth seeing if if it's, a, it's I'm not going to say it's work, but it's not uh, an easy sit. Because it's super long, and it yeah. keeps like it's one of those. Movies I love that it keeps when movies ending. are described as work. Well, <laughs> he no. said it's not work. No, I'm just saying this yeah. is such but a great are, descriptor. It yes. says so much with one <laughs> of course word. Of course, it does. Yeah. Um, but it keeps ending, and it is not perfect. But I will say the ambition of it, I really, really respected, and it, it's given me a lot to think of. And Anna Paquin is actually fairly brilliant in it, and really kind of explains for me a lot of what I would had thought to be weird acting choices in True Blood, seeing those things reflected in another movie, I'm like, oh, okay, I see what Anna Paquin's going for a lot of the time. Mm. Um, it's good. I really liked it. All right. So um, I'm going to double up on you, Joe, for All the right. next one. And uh, we're going to talk about The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Sure, Can yeah. Can I just say from this, I hated that book so much. I never read the book. Never oh. read the book. I can't believe you even read it. I that know. does surprise me. And then, because uh, I'm a glutton for punishment, I was uh-huh. bored when Tara was away yeah. one week, I watched the Swedish film. Yeah. And uh, but I refused to put yeah. any more money into that. See, bucket. I was going into this completely fresh. I had neither read the book nor mm-hmm. seen the first movie. It is a good sit. I will say the opposite of work. It's a good sit. I enjoy I enjoyed the movie perfectly well while I was watching it. It felt like a TV show. It yeah. felt like the best version of The Killing that never got made. Mm. Even the opening credits that everybody's like really into these opening credits, which are really impressive and it's Karen O singing the immigrant song, uh that Led Zeppelin song, but they really look like TV opening credits. They look like sort of, you know, Game of Thrones style really overproduced. Produced, yeah. not overproduced, yeah. but like you could tell they put a lot of money into it. Um it's good. Rooney Mara is is really good and really interesting. So oh, that's funny because we saw her on Letterman and she was wow, neither of those. What a things. wet sack! I've, oh. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that she hasn't been she, uh, very impressive on the publicity. She was so boring. Yeah. and seemed really stupid and Ugh. gave the exact same awful. answer for two things in a row. And it's just like, yeah. oh, oh, that's not that's, good. That's bad media training. That character, the more I think of the character, especially afterwards, uh, gives me 
icky feelings because <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of that story that seems to be because clearly like she gets raped by her uh, uh, everybody she, social worker this is the first I've heard about rapes and the girl with the dragon tattoo and then she and then she avenges it and then she sort of avenges other things and I think we're supposed to see it as this kind of sort of feminist empowerment thing but it's like a lot of it a lot of her character seems to me like she's emotionless in a way that makes her cool and sexy for uh like dude film watchers mm-hmm. just be like oh man that girl just has sex and she doesn't yeah. even care and like emotionless sex and like badass computer hackery like sign me up it's there's not a lot of have dealing- they seen her haircut though <laughs> yeah um she looks good naked i will say um but there's not a lot of uh inner life to her that you have to worry about so I think there's a lot of makes her really easy and uncomplicated she doesn't need an inner life she has a tattoo of a dragon she sure does Um, the other thing I will say and we have entered the spoiler zone so I feel feel free to say this the most obvious casting for a villain in a movie since as I said on Twitter Liev Schreiber and Salt because once you see that Stellan Skarsgård is one of the people there Fucking obviously he did it. Like, you're not going to cast him. Could have been Julian Sands. Well, I guess, I suppose. Julian Sands plays Christopher Plummer's character in Flashback. I know. That's a possibility. Which is good casting, by the way. That is very good casting. Um, And then also that Jolie Richardson is like, oh, Jolie Richardson gets a three-second role? I don't think so. She's coming back. So um, still not quite as good as, like, Liev Schreiber secretly Russian? I don't believe it. Like... (laughs) Believe it. I'm just saying Julian Sands is a warlock. No, Julian Sands is actually a good uh, is a good possibility. But anyway, uh, good while it lasts. Probably not gonna. Uh, I will say uh, on the David Fincher tip because I do love David Fincher, even though now he's made two movies, three movies in a row that I didn't really love. He makes this movie look so fucking cold, yeah, and like and it sounds cold, and it's like he really, really is aces with atmosphere. Um, if he could find a story that I'm willing to sit through again, the trailer really nailed the way I thought. The story looked after yeah. reading the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was really well done. Yeah. Um, although on the flip side, like a series like Wallander seemed much more authentic as far well, as. And the other thing is like, because we saw, obviously I didn't see the movie, but when we saw the the, tra- the clip on Letterman, she had a Swedish accent, mm-hmm. but then Daniel Craig is just talking <laughs> in a regular English accent. Daniel, like, yes. Why don't you Milosh yeah. form in this shit and just have everybody talk in whatever their real accent yeah. is? Yeah, and, and Robin Wright Penn speaks in a strange act like little accent. We're adults. Yeah, and because we then understand. the next thing is you have to ask Sean Connery not to be Scottish instead of an Irish cop and yeah. untouchables. That's why, because it's a slippery slope, Tara. Do you want to make that call to Mr. Connery? <laughs> Can you do something Irish? <laughs> no, no, I can't. Uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah, which I saw yesterday. What do you guys think? I really liked it. I really liked it. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, we Again, Doug loves movies. The last episode that we listened to, Pete Holmes, who is the subject of a, a mini previously, yes. Yes. did a lot of complaining about how many gadgets or effects were controlled in the movies by the movie's characters using like regular old smartphones and iPads. Uh-huh. I thought that was kind of cool. That scene in the hallway was amazing. What I liked about it was... You know, we kind of take for granted that we walk around with super powerful computers in our pockets uh-huh. like 100% of the time. Uh-huh. And so what this movie does is like, I'm not even gonna, you know, we don't even have to make up some kind of fakey ass shit tech 
yeah. that doesn't exist. Like, because we can all just imagine, oh, sure, an iPad could probably do that. Why not? Yeah. Tara, you know? you're already walking around with the most powerful supercomputer in the world. <laughs> it's your brain. <laughs> um. I did just win the season of game time. See? So I, yeah. I really liked it. Other than Paula Patton, who I thought, I've, I have liked her in previous yeah. things. I liked her in the bad, dumb basketball romantic comedy, it, Just Right. Oh, wow. Which I thought she was quite likable. Which, which quite you saw, which is a movie, and which you saw. Which is a movie, which I saw, was on HBO. Uh-huh. And um, and I don't, I've already, I'm, I think I've already said I don't like Jeremy Renner. Right. And I didn't like him in this either. Yeah. Um, But I thought his uh, humorlessness was used to... <laughs> Too good if that was that was it was pretty baked I, yes. into that character. Yes. Uh, apparently, this is my week for saying that ladies are sexy because Paula Patton in that green dress in the in the big uh, yeah uh, where she seduces the, the guy scene. from Slumdog Millionaire, uh-huh. I believe. Yeah. Uh, she looks good, yeah, and she does. I will say, and Jeremy Renner and Tom Cruise for two short closeted homosexuals look <laughs> fucking good in suits. Allegedly, in that movie, allegedly, yeah. Don't and s- please don't sue extra hot great Scientology. Is there? Anything as funny as Tom Cruise running? No, no I was. Oh, he's so weird. With the with the with the hands, yeah. point, the fingers. He's like he's chopping heaven. celery as yes. he's running along or something like that yes. with his hands. But that opening sequence in the in the in the prison that was pretty great. It was pretty, it was great. pretty great. Josh Holloway's thing on the Burj Khalifa was thing. insane. Yeah, but was, as I said on Twitter, cool. Tom Cruise not only can overact, he can overrun. Ooh. He's amazing. Yeah, and it's interesting because this year, in terms of like the big prestige movies and everything, is about like the magic of cinema, uh-huh. and it's Martin Scorsese telling you how much ma- how magical cinema is and the artist telling you how magical uh sh- silent movies are you guys can't see it but i just did the wink she motion. just did the jerk off motion with her hand and it's <laughs> totally true here is a movie that doesn't tell you it just fucking shows yes. you how incredible what incredible sights and sounds a movie can give you yes. like kudos brad bird because there was some really eye-popping shit in that movie yeah and and you know i've i've certainly complained about dumb preposterous movies before yeah. this was like just on the right side of yeah well admission, admission impossible tends to write itself a blank check for preposterousness because yes. it's ba- it's it's history is yes. so preposterous and it's the one franchise that can get away with the oh i made a mask but that makes you that's exactly what i was saying like, about sherlock holmes yeah. about yeah. the other film that decided to close the door on that yeah is mission impossible I, yeah. 4, that was really which great is, and really smart which was smart because yeah. that's always what bugged me the most about those movies which is it's like the get out of the jail free card it is and they had the masks in the movie but something always goes it wrong with the machine yeah and they can never actually wear them Simon so they have Pegg to was do... really really funny it was he it's was a very, very like very traditional like comic relief role mm-hmm. but he played he it great. so perfectly and they did seem like a team they did they said at the, when at the end of the movie i was like i'm glad they all survived i will watch another movie if this is the oh, i'll watch another movie another one anyway but if that's right. the team i'm in yeah Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, although I, you know, I didn't necessarily need the coda about what happened to his wife because Michelle Monaghan. I know who it's gives a shit. Yeah, I at the very beginning of the movie, I was I actually had the thought of like, do I remember anything that yeah. happened in Mission Impossible Three? And I kind of liked Mission Impossible Three, but uh, I didn't. Remember you might it. remember a girl who looked and dressed exactly like Katie Holmes being romantically interested <laughs> uh-huh. in Tom Cruise because uh-huh. she did. I went back and I looked it up on Wikipedia and I was like, wow, all these people that I like are in it. It's amazing. That you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, switching gears from movies to TV, uh, Tara, me and you started watching the second series Mm -hmm. of Sherlock last week. Three Uh, Methods. Just started (laughs) on BBC UK. Yes. Uh, What did you think? Uh, I thought it was great. Um, It's a fun show. Yeah. Yeah. The the first episode introduces Irene Adler, who's played in the the movies, in the Guy Ritchie movies by Rachel McAdams. Uh And she, this time, was some actress that I'd never, ever seen before, which was kind of interesting. And this one, Joe, she's a dominatrix. Yes. Instead of being a pickpocket, 
she's a dominatrix. Interesting. Which is really a smart. I mean, the thing about the Sherlock TV show is, it's it seems dismissive to say that something is smart. Yeah. <laughs> but he really, the Stephen Moffat, who I give no credit for Doctor Who because I don't care. Yeah. Right. But he's really thought about the Sherlock Holmes series yeah. and how to bring it into the contemporary age. And like, mm. when you think about it, it's like. It totally makes sense to have to change this character into a dominatrix because she knows all these secrets about, yeah, you know, her clients. Yeah, and so at various points in this episode, it's like, well, I knew what he liked, so I yeah. found out, blah 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 blah. Yeah, so yeah, she's yeah. she's got all this, you know, intel at her yeah. fingertips. And then I, I also liked that she was an unknown actress because there's a part where Sherlock looks at her and he's supposed to be getting no information off her at all. Yeah, just you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Have you watched Sherlock at all? Jim? I haven't. It's it's oh. one of the. I'll have uh, to lend you the. The, the first season because yeah. it's, 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 it's pretty fun. You would fun. like it. I'm it's, definitely it's interested. Really, the really second, really did, did, Tara, did this uh, episode seem a little more bombastic to you than the first season? I thought the they, the stakes were a little higher. Yeah. And the, so again, the, the they, end was, was like a little balls crazy, which was. I kind of enjoyed. I did too. Yeah. <laughs> I like did the too. end was like, holy shit, that's what's <laughs> Yeah, it did seem like the first season was, I wouldn't say tentative, but like you're easing, the, easing people yeah. into this idea uh-huh. of yeah. like this iconic character in contemporary times and then after that you're like well we've established him now let's see what he can actually i think sherlock uh the series is the only instance where i actually enjoy when they do the gimmicky text on top of the screen stuff yeah because they use it to really good effect like um you know in sherlock holmes the movie where they do the whole slow down this is what i'm gonna do when i fight him thinking through it and then he does it yeah so in sherlock um, not necessarily fight scenes, but a lot of the times when he's going through things in his mind or texting and stuff, like what's happening will sort of appear in overlays that sort of augment the information that mm-hmm. he's thinking about or getting. But not in a way that seems like you're being handheld. No, but in a way that actually probably really speeds stuff up yes. and makes the whole enterprise seem that much more efficient and yes. therefore intelligent. Yes. It and saves it saves you from having to have the audience surrogate character who's yes. dumb and has to have shit explained totally. to right, right, right. Yeah. them. So, him or her. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, the two se- the second episode just came out yesterday. Um, and I, I'm not sure how. I think it might just be three again. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but they're long. They're like two they're, hours they're, long. They're movies. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, definitely still seems to be uh, at the top of the game on that one. Yeah. Um, so moving on on the TV thing, The Thick of It. Not new, but new to us. Yes. We were trying to get it for the longest time to uh, procure it. We watched the movie In the Loop, which is set in the same world, and we all love it. And Joe, that was your uh, swearing example in our swearing. Oh, it's such a great movie. Fuck, fuck it, T-Buy. Such a good movie overall. I really love it. And uh, so this is um, about uh, 16 or 17 episodes um, over three series. Um, Tara, what did you think? Oh, it's so good. I, I, <laughs> I regret that we watched it so fast. I do too. Because <laughs> now it's but over. But you, you knew you couldn't help yourself. I know, it was yeah. so good. Um, so the, the main character is the same, the, the lead from In the Loop. It's Malcolm Tucker played by Peter Capaldi. Can I just say, based on his appearances in the movie, I thought he was going to be sort of a background once in a while color yeah. character. Mm-mm. But he is front and center yeah, in this series. And it's great. It, structurally, he's kind of like the Jack Donaghy of yep. the show in uh-huh. a sense, not just in terms of his temperament. Yeah, yeah. No, Although right. he's not, he's not really like Jack in that way. But, but in terms of like, why is this guy always hanging around this particular <laughs> group of people? Who cares? I don't care. No. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, he needs to be for the purposes of the show. And it's great. And what's yeah. interesting about it is that it's, you know, it's, He's he's a government like fixer guy, much as he is in the movie. But he's yeah, yeah. we we uh, 
we follow one cabinet minister in the first season and then as it goes on he loses his job gets replaced and then so it it becomes kind of a totally other mm-hmm. show because there's a new minister but this the people around her are the same um and the the end of it i was like in the last episode yeah. was really um kind of anxious and upset yeah. in a way that i haven't been since uh-huh. Gus Fring lost his oh, life yeah, on yeah. Breaking Bad. It's definitely in my top 10 series. Like, yeah. it's shot up. So, like, wow. it was just, like, brilliant. And even with the deficit on this end of it of not getting all the British pop culture references yeah, and all yeah. the political names sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's still, it, it just works. You I mean, can get, you can get from the context what yeah. they're getting at. Yeah. And uh, Malcolm Tucker, like he is absolutely one of the greatest characters. I was just saying to Tara, he's like up there now with like Dr. Cox yeah. and Al Swergen as like mm-hmm. TV's greatest dickheads. Yeah. You, yes. have, you have a type Dave. Yeah. I, I do too. I mean, I, we've talked about this when we were talking about Boardwalk Empire, that my favorite character in a show yeah. is always the most ruthless character. It was right. Ben Linus on Lost. Yeah. It's, you know, it's Jack Donaghy. Yeah. It's Dr. Cox, as you said. It was, yeah. It's Nucky because he he doesn't give a shit. Right. And that's why I loved, I love Matt. And it's, and it's, if you haven't seen it, it's sort of like in that, uh, office mockumentary style camera work and sort minus of minus the talking to the camera parts. minus the right. looking into the camera it's and, just and shot in a very verite style but yeah. the the um creator of this of the show armando Iannucci, who also did the all the alan partridge shows with yeah. steve coogan oh, which also are also great great yeah to- very different but really brilliant mm-hmm. um, dan dan <laughs> dan yeah we got to do that episode of the canon sometimes yeah. so good um He's doing a show for HBO called Veep, um, in which Julia D- Louis Dreyfus plays a vi- an American vice president. So that's that's coming sometime this spring. Yeah. yeah. And then the rumor has it somebody tweeted at us that um, <clears throat> there's going to be another season of The Thick of It after that, which I really hope is true because it ended on a very exciting note. Yeah. So good. Brilliant. Uh, Joe, um, yes. you were catching up. Talk about catching up on The Good Wife. Yeah, I managed to watch the entire first season of The Good Wife over the Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's holidays. I just finished. Uh, one of the reasons, perhaps, why network television is dying is because it takes for fucking ever to watch a season of a network television series. There are so many goddamn episodes. There were 24 episodes or 22 episodes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I, I do like the show. I know Tara's looking at me disappointedly. Um, I It's Wait, not, you it watch is it, not the greatest show. Yeah. I didn't go back and watch the first season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, you jumped in right at season two. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's why she's better than you. I'm not better than anyone. <laughs> Shut up. That's not what I was saying at all. No, um, it's a good... I'm not the biggest Juliana Margulies fan, which was, I think, the reason why I never jumped into it in the first place. She's, like, one of the least interesting characters in the she show. She is one of also. the least interesting characters on the show. Um, the, the main supporting cast is pretty interesting. I will say the show really comes alive for me uh, with their insane roster of recurring guest stars yeah. and... Uh, and one-time use guest stars, but like the recurring ones, just in like this handful of last few episodes, I saw Carrie Preston from uh, True Blood, Dennis O'Hare, Titus Welliver, who's awesome, mm-hmm. uh, Mamie Gummer, who I really do love, James Carpinello, who was in Rock of Ages, who yeah. stole the show in Rock of Ages, Gary Cole is in a lot of episodes. It's really, I don't know where they get this budget for hiring. It's also every New York theater actor you could ever possibly want. Yep. Um, it's really, really strong in that. And, uh, and I will say Archie Punjabi, who is a regular character on it, uh, as Kalinda is super, super awesome. She's the best really reason cool. to watch that show. She's the reason to watch the show. And I'm really, I'm interested to jump now into season two. It's not, uh, 
the best show I've ever seen, but it's one of those, it's a good procedural where sometimes the really, really dry procedurals that really aren't about anything in terms of their characters and their story, I can't watch. This is the kind of best of both worlds where it's got a strong enough through line story that I'll stick with it, but the uh, the cases each week are really good. It reminds me of when I liked The Practice. I'm not against The Good Wife. I just find it hugely overpraised. Yeah. Because I see it on a lot of like the top 10, the smart, blah, blah. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's it's, it's really good for network courtroom For show. network television. You know what I mean? Sure. It's, a, it's, sort of, it's sort of their uh, crown jewel. So I feel like it gets praised by people who want network TV to survive. Listen, I just feel like if you're going to be on some of these best of lists and uh. you're going to set your show in Chicago, don't make it obvious when people are sitting outside of Radio City. Yes. <laughs> And also, there and her, isn't one of those in Chicago. And Chris Note's character is really boring, and I don't care about his storyline. And her kids are so weird. What is up with her weird kids? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but I do like it. Okay, so all these shows, if we had to give somebody a best bet, yeah, uh, what would you go with? I would say, if you're going to the movies, check out Mission Impossible. If you can get it, and good luck getting it. Uh, if you live in the States, get the uh, the thick of it. Yeah. It's available on iTunes in Canada and I think probably most other English-speaking countries. For some reason, not in the States. Maybe if Veep, you know, does well, BBC America will show it or something. Yeah. You get your hands on it. Really highly recommended. What do you guys say? Yeah, I, I'm I'm in a real uh, Mission Impossible mood yeah. right about now. So I'm Popcorn really film done extremely well. Done really well, well yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Tar. I agree with you on both counts. All right. <laughs> Okay, it's time for the canon, and we have one from Frank. Hey, Extra Hot Great, this is Frank, and I'd like to submit for the canon one of my favorite episodes of Lost, Season 1, Episode 6, House of the Rising Sun. This is the episode that really sold me on the show and got me hooked, because I think it was the first glimpse of what the show could really be. The show was always about the characters and finding out who they are and how they define themselves through the choices they make under these impossible circumstances in this mind-blowingly confusing world they've been dropped into. And because they were so good at making you care so deeply about these characters, the show gave us these incredibly effective emotional payoffs, and this episode has a doozy. The episode centers on Jin and Sun, and while Sun is torn between her husband and the other survivors on the island, through flashbacks we see how their once-loving relationship crumbled, to the point where Sun learned English and planned to use Oceanic Flight 815 as an opportunity to escape from Jin. This leads to the climactic scene in the episode, where Sun, ready to make her move and leave her old life behind, takes one final look back at Jin and catches a glimpse of the man she fell in love with, and in a beautiful, heartbreaking, perfect scene that made me fall in love with this show and with Yunjin Kim, Sun decides to stand by her man, sealing her fate in this life and the next, and if you've seen the entire run of the show, you know what I mean by that. There are other significant developments in this episode. Jack discovers the cave. 46 people need to drink a half gallon a day each. Carrying all this water back and forth is going to be a real pain in the ass. Starting making you regret volunteering. These caves make too good a shelter just to be used for burial. Adam and Eve, they must have lived here. Their plane crashed, or maybe they were shipwrecked. They probably found this place and knew they could survive here. Unlimited supply of fresh water. Tree canopy keeps the temperature down. Shields out the sun. The openings are narrow, easier for protection against predators. We don't need to bring the water to the people. 
need to bring the people to the water. And for the first time, the survivors have to split up and choose sides, which will be a recurring theme on the show. Okay. If you've got that under control, I'm going to start talking to people about the caves. Might be able to get a few to go with me before nightfall. Start setting up camp. You're serious. Is there a reason you didn't consult us when you decided to form your own civilization? I'm only talking about moving into the valley. Well, what happened to live together, die alone? Digging in together is the only way we're going to survive. Our best hope of survival isn't being spotted by a plane or a ship. And for that, we need to organize everyone to keep that signal fire burning while others scout the island for supplies. Digging in anywhere else is suicide. It is the only source of fresh water we've found, Said. And staying on the beach, in the sun, without water. That's not suicide. I'm not going to admit defeat. We see the discovery of Adam and Eve, which will figure prominently in the island's mythology. Jack and Locke begin to grow into their man of reason and man of faith roles. We see the beginnings of the Kate-Jack-Sawyer triangle. Well, well, well. It ain't the bell of the ball. So what's it like having both the Doctor and Captain Falafel fighting over you? Just call them how I see them, Freckles. Truth be told, I'm not the only one wondering where you're going to weigh in on this whole moving off the beach thing. Are you going with the pessimists or staying here and waiting for the rescue folks? Are you going? Well, that's the real trick, isn't it? We all pack up stakes for the caves. Next day a plane passes by. They're going to go on their merry way and be none the wiser. On the other hand, stay here. Get eaten by boars, fall off a rock. Not going to be anyone around to answer that 911 call. Still haven't answered my question. You didn't answer mine. And I asked first. And perhaps most importantly, we get some shirtless Matthew Fox, which is canon-worthy on its own. So uh, that's what I think about the episode. Hope you agree. Can't wait to hear what you guys think. Take care, guys, and keep up the great work. Do you guys remember long ago in season one <laughs> and Lost where everybody was just totally ape shit glued to their tv and it was just like the water cooler event yeah i was definitely thinking about that when we watched this episode it it just seems like decades ago now it does it's it's, it's amazing and And it feels like such a different different time in television it was it was a different time in television and the early seasons of lost compared to the later seasons of lost do feel like two separate television shows Mm. it really it evolved like a soap opera in the way that when you look at early episodes it takes you a long time to sort of get your grounding of like who was who was in this position, what was going on, who was feuding with who, who was hooked up with who, who was, you know, what was everybody's motivation at this point. It's it was such an unfolding story that it takes you it's really, really hard to go back to early episodes. And- As I was watching it, and you know, I'll just full disclosure, I gave up on Lost uh end of season two or something like something that. like that something like that um but absolutely was just glued to season one i remember and yeah. it was that sense of character discovery along with those you know wtf moments you know like the polar bears and stuff like that yeah, but there was something yeah, yeah. about finding out a little pieces of these characters and you know uh i'm not a big fan of that of the flashback stuff but yeah. i thought lost had a little bit of a different take on it where they were doing it consistently anyways. You know what I mean? Like well, it was part was of the narrative. Yeah. 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 
Um, but when you go to rewatch the show mm-hmm. and that sense of discovery isn't there, yes, this show is slow. It's, it is. It's a, yes. Nothing happened in this episode. Like this, well, this is a show that I absolutely loved in the moment until for me, it went off the yeah. rails and I didn't care anymore. But season one, I was just like week to week, bam, appointment television. Yeah. yeah. But now, uh, season one, and you're right. I mean, at a certain point, the the show kind of shifts gears mm-hmm. from sort of this character driven um, study in season one, you know, and they lay little hints, like little hints to what's going on yeah. on the island. Yeah. And then in season two, it kind of picks up a bit. But in season one, it's all about the characters. And I just thought, watching this again, I didn't care. Compound with uh, Jin and Sun's story in this episode, regardless, is boring. I was bored the first time with this story. Yeah. It was just like there. Yeah. Like he's a jerk and he made a deal with the devil and, and I never really never really cared for them as a couple. Uh-huh. I never cared about them as a couple either. Yeah. So it was it was it was interesting the difference between yeah, then I remember. Now. I remember when the show debuted and the, and the pilot was such a sensation. But there was a lot of talk about, well, this is great. How do you sustain this as a series over multiple years when it's you know when by necessity they're not going to be able to survive on an island for such and such a long time? And and it felt then that this that the flashbacks, while also like illuminating about the characters, were also meant to stretch the time out where you could conceivably have one episode just represent one day on the island and then the the story is sort of padded out and i think that's why by the middle of the third season um i really feel like the end of the third season and uh that's when the show started to become something else and that's when i actually got more interested in Mm -hmm. it because the second and third and early third seasons the flashbacks just felt more and more like padding for padding sake. Yep. And I was really, I thought the show really came alive when they got rid of them. Um, this part, it's funny that you mentioned that you never really got on with, with Jin and son. I really did like them. They mm. were, they were a couple of my favorite characters. This is a show that was always, uh, the opposite of how I usually am with TV where it's like, normally I'm like, you know what? Plots one thing. If I like the characters, I'll stick with it. And I stuck with lost despite the fact that I hated a majority of the characters. I hate Jack. I hated early Sawyer. Everyone I came around hate, who on likes Sawyer. Jack? I can't imagine well, who. Frank, 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 Frank likes well, Frank he likes like shirt, shirtless yeah. Jack. Um, I was super ambivalent about Kate. I hated Charlie. I yeah, uh, who liked just, Kate too? Oh my I mean, god, I hated Kate Kate's for the worst. second. Yeah, see, I didn't. I there were there were times I didn't mind Kate, and yeah. some there were times when she was Should really I tell really the Yeah, tell the story. Yeah, it's a great oh, story. God. Oh yes. So the the very first time that we Dave and I went to Hawaii many many <laughs> moons ago was when Lost was still in production. This would have been two thousand six, and um, <clears throat> we were we ended up at the airport in Oahu because we missed a connection. Yeah. Which is not where we were going, but that was where Lost shot. And so we we're standing around waiting for our luggage to show up on this delayed flight. And then we we we're standing in luggage in baggage claim. And, and it's like the smallest, tiniest very room. Small These airport. airports are like little, you know, micro. Ho- yeah. it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So we see a driver with a sign that says Annie Hall. So like, okay, whatever. This Talk is. about making the wanky motion. Exactly. <laughs> Annie Hall. Oh, Annie Hall is here. And then it turned out the person he was waiting for was Evangeline was Lily. Evangeline Lilly. Because yeah. that was her cute little pseudonym. She couldn't put her real name on it because she'd be mobbed. She was still so new So instead to of fame. just putting Mavis Potts, <laughs> she put fucking Annie Hall Don't to be Don't tell so... everybody my stock fake name. 
Nobody else use Mavis Potts. That's mine. Jonas Beaverhausen. <laughs> Actually, anyway. yes, I will use that. But you talk about Jin and Son. In yeah. this episode, did you see the moment that Frank talks about that he thought was like this really sweet moment where Son sort of sees something in Jin? Yeah. And that, that scene did not work oh, at all. See, I was not me either. I thought that was just, it seemed to me like he was just being sort of a repeat offender. And this was the first half of the, of, of, of you know him just you know doing that so then he could just slide back into whatever like I didn't yeah. buy it that as a redemptive moment. See, well, and I certainly really the way it. he behaves on the island doesn't it bears out your theory more than it does right. Frank's. Yeah, yeah, because well, in the episode he just finished having, tackling and smacking the shit out of right. Uh, but uh, I feel like it, it gives you at least a Michael. window into yeah. um, that there's some bit of him that she's not willing to let go of that there's. That this that moment in her life she was she needed to be willing. I'm to. just saying, girl, you can do better. <laughs> that's what I that's what I thought. And deal I'm breaker. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she but got so- fruit blindness. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a good one. Look at him. Look at you. Oh my god. Anyway, um, but so when there was a Jin and Son episode, they were sort of my I I was at least happy that I was going to be getting flashbacks of characters that I liked. Right. Um, a lot of this, and I ended up liking them more and more as it went along when Jin became cool and yeah. when they both started speaking English to everybody. Um, because you know me, I hate foreigners. Um, nobody laughed at that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't really we're hate all, foreigners. <laughs> we're all still nervous over the Captain Falafel line. We don't want to We don't want to stack on top yeah. of that. Yeah. Oh, God. Fucking swear with the fucking nicknames. I swear to God. Um, so, but I feel like to... to so much of the show, you mentioned Discovery, though, Dave, and I think that's totally true of the show, was that watching the show was so much about discovering new things about the characters, new things about the island, new things yeah. about the plot, whatever. And now that we all know this, going back to it, I feel like evaluating this on a canon level, it's really, to me, important to put myself back into mm. the shoes of like how I felt when I watched it then. Yeah. Because it's not that Lost, I can't imagine, was ever meant to be a repeatable. It was never going to be a show that you could watch. Yeah, yeah a billion times sure and i remember back at this time i was the the when you found out that son spoke english i remember being like really really like flipped out and yep. i think it was you know a more innocent time for television and I was this show was great with those, with those moments the, the light in the hatch and mm-hmm. all those like yeah, yeah, moments yeah. from season one like this they're yeah. so well done and i yeah. each one i remember going ah! and you stare at yeah. each other and you're like holy shit another seven days yeah. on the next episode ah. and this was also it was a good lock episode where lock got to be i mean everybody looks good when they're standing next to charlie oh but the thing with the beehive and i have day. and i have such a thing about bees so like that whole thing was really really like viscerally yeah. uh tense for me but uh i liked Locke dealing with him there wasn't a whole lot of other things with the other characters yeah. at this point like the whole you know uh triangle was whatever but i also did think that the decision of the beach or the cave was well plotted and, and felt organic in that that okay. this is a conversation cave, that people right? would have cave cave obviously yeah. okay for the for the fresh water yeah. and, and no i'd rather shade die of alone. exposure <laughs> <laughs> i'm just checking because this show made it seem yeah. like it was this big de- divisive issue but, and I'm but like, I, I mean do, i would rather die of exposure well, i'm but, on the record yeah. saying that but but and also you know i they say does make a good case for the fact that like oh we burrow inside of the island and we live here like damn hell ass kings you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like start looking for your monkey butlers yeah but um i don't know i thought that was a good sort of central conflict for the thing i looking back i remembered sort of season one of lost me watching it and i remember that how much i really did like the so episode. for you you're bringing in your your um going to younger joe 
Yeah. Season one, Lost Joe, watching it for your decision. 2004 Joe, yeah. Um, the problem with a large ensemble cast in a show is that the producers have to give equal weight or feel they do to all the characters. And yes. all the characters are never as interesting as each other. True. And nobody has the same favorite characters ever. Right. So this is obviously going to be completely subjective. But when you get it, yeah. when, when one rolls up in the rotation and it happens to be about fucking Charlie. I know. It's like death. I know. Um. So that was the problem with this for 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 me with this one too that I never was super on board with Jin the Sun either. Yeah, and especially in this episode where it's like you're gonna let them handcuff your husband to a fucking wing of a plane after you've decided that you're gonna stay with him for whatever murky reasons because he had a flower one time, <laughs> and then rather than just say I can speak English, what he explain. was so mad yeah. about, yeah, like like that's this is the pro- but this was like endemic of the problem with Lost all along where it's like. A lot of episodes just would not occur if people would talk to each other. Yes. And there's another moment like that in this episode, too, where Jack is like, why are you like this to Kate? And she's yeah. like, you had your chance to find out. Like, fuck off. <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the problems that really made I, I came about this close to dropping it in the middle of the third season. And a lot of the problems that I had with it are really you can see the, the roots to them. In, yes. In such an early episode as this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> also, it this episode and I think I've said this before on the podcast, like my favorite things about Lost were always all the pseudoscience business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was none of that no. in this episode. So No instructional videos from uh, not even Hattori a Hanzo food or whatever drop, not a, not a magnet. God, you love yeah. those so much. You got so excited when that Hanzo guy popped up. I oh, love them. Man. I love that in any show. Like she you really did. That. She really got like visibly excited. Yeah. Like, oh, I forgot to have an episode well, and with the training and this video. Is, like this is also this pre-Ben, pre-Juliet Lost is yeah. really... It, that's part of why it does feel like a different show because those are were my two favorite characters on the show and this is so far before they showed up. Yeah. 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 Okay, so let's put this to a vote and uh, Joe, uh, young young Joe, I believe, is voting. <laughs> yeah. Season one, flashback Joe. Yeah, I feel, uh, yeah. <laughs> Joe in his mid, mid-teens. Oh, God. <laughs> Grade school Joe yeah. uh, votes yes. Uh, Tara? No. Um, but thank you for the submission. Yeah, thank you for the yeah, submission. Yeah, if I were to vote in the same way Joe's voting, I might be tempted to say yes. Yeah. But for me, uh, rewatchability is is really high on my list of what makes a show yes. canon worthy. Me yeah. too. Um, you know, the shows that I think are canon worthy usually have a spot on my media center because I go back to them time after time. Yeah. And it's really rare that those that Venn diagrams aren't perfectly overlapped. Yeah. And uh, this episode, for all the reasons I mentioned, that I just feel like it was great in it at the moment it had a lot of things going for they made a great television and it just doesn't work for me now because the mystery is gone right and there's not enough there's no air in that balloon anymore yeah Yeah. all right so lost house of the rising sun season one episode six sorry you are not in the extra hot great canon americans love a winner yeah and will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It's time for winner and loser of the week. Tara, who's our winner? Our winner is Paul Rudd, because it was announced today that he's going to be playing Leslie's political opponent <gasps> on Parks and Recreation. Really? This I season. didn't even hear that. He's nice. going to show up on the show sometime in the next month, according, oh. according to reports, which really cements Parks and Recreation as your one-stop shop for every interesting actor in comedy yeah. today. All my comedy boyfriends, mm-hmm. all in one place. And I, as, if John Hamm shows up, it's oh really God. all we ever need in life. Yeah. Can I frankly. tack on a sub-winner? Because I just was yes. reading about it. Um, uh, winner, sub-winner of the week, uh, Never Say Die super fans for 
It looks like possibly getting another Back from the Dead TV show as a movie and Party Down. Party Down certainly yeah. sounds like it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be the next underperforming movie that everybody will shake their head at. And, and Paul Rudd is involved in that too. He you know like, what though? He co created the that thing show. with that kind of thing. Like, uh, sh- underperform, sure, but I'll fucking see it. Oh, like, absolutely. You know what I mean? It's uh, like, Party Down's I'll get a great to see show. it. And if somebody loses money, I don't fucking care. <laughs> no, it, it'll, it'll just be me two years from now when yeah, we're talking about, you I know, know. Wh- why isn't there the canceled show yeah. X movie yeah. or, or why? But if there's one why. show to ruin it for everybody, I will be happy that it's Party Down. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like if Arrested Development doesn't get the oh, movie because Party Down gets it, I'll be okay with that. It's the sub winner of the week. Yes. So, yeah. um, loser of the week is my beloved So You Think You Can Dance because it was announced last week that Fox has canceled the results show for uh, for dance. Now on the surface... This is not the worst news in the fact that results shows are stupid and that shows, Tara, as you have mentioned before, that air multiple times per week are unnecessary and flabby. This is all true. Um, So You Think You Can Dance's results show was the closest any reality show came to being uh, necessary and worthy on its own. It had a lot of original content, whatever. It was one of the best ones. But the reason why it's Loser of the Week is that this does sound a bit of a death knell for that this could be the last season of the show. Um, because if the ratings aren't good enough that they would want to keep a results show. Um, and Nigel Lithgow kind of uh, on Twitter intimated that, like, well, at least we get one season, of the, one more season of the show. And it was like, Ugh, okay. Um, so I guess Sub- I'm Sub-loser happy. Sub-loser of the week, Fringe. Oh, sub loser of the week fringe for those very reasons where Kevin Riley at the at the upfront press uh, tour. or press tour. Sorry, get those confused um, at the press tour really sounded pessimistic of, and was very upfront about the fact that uh, fringe isn't making the network money. And it sounds like that's going to be the last season of that show, which I think is is probably the right time for the Maybe. show to end. I love the show more it than It had anything. a pretty good run. It had a really good run. Never really. Uh, I don't want to hear any complaining ratings. out of people like Fox gave that show a good life movie <laughs> do you know what time it is guys game time it's game time all right everybody it is the start of a new, new game season. time season yes and as is our tradition, we are starting off the season with the shoutiest of all games. Oh, God. The TV theme quiz. Damn it. This week, the TV theme quiz is brought to you by the letter L. L as in Lima. We have 26 themes Don't for you today. Don't bring Peru into this, Dave. Peru didn't do anything. <laughs> First to shout out, the correct answer gets the point. Uh-huh. You are allowed to guess more than once. Okay. It is a battle royale. It's a free-for-all. Are we ready? Yes. Okay. See, this time, no Rocky, Paper, Moon, Ned, or Scissor hand. So nope. you're welcome, audience. <laughs> okay, here we go. TV theme quiz, letter L. Blast. Blast. Oh, how timely. One point for Tara. Here we go. Number two. Late night with David Letterman. Late night, late night, late night. Late night with night. David Letterman. That's the NBC. Uh, one. Was Law and Order Original Rays. Marshall, Will, and Holly. Oh, they lost. Land of the Lost, correct. And on the star-spangled night, my love. My love, come to me. Love American style? Yes, you're here. Nice. 
love American style. Correct. Jeez. Tara's old. I that was a guess. The love boat. I mean, I am old. I'm not that old. <laughs> Tara, <laughs> old as the hills and possibly ancient Greece. Yes, Dave. I was born in 1953. BC. <laughs> Prairie is correct, and that was our seventh. So let's take a score break. What do you got, Tara? Five. And Joe? Two. All right. Little house on the prairie where we have horses. (laughs) 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 It's been a long day, guys. Oh, God. Okay, here we go. Number eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's one of the greatest. Oh, it's so good. Very good. Okay, here we go. Larry Sanders Show. The Larry Sanders Show. Correct. Okay, here's a tough one. I want to see if anybody gets this. Ready? Letter L. It is not the Lequalizer. Good guess. I will tell you it's a spinoff. There are three main characters. There was an episode that eerily uh, sort of matched 9-11 years before it happened. Ooh. With a... The Lone Gunman. Oh, oh God! Sure. Really? Yeah, That's there was right. an episode where there's yeah, like a yeah, yeah, yeah. flying that a plane. That does not sound like that should be the theme song to the Lone Gun. No, no. Here we go. Older than dinner because he's young. <laughs> That was the league. The oh, league. the league. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you didn't get to the part that I know. Okay. Lost of space. Nice. <laughs> 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 That always seems like that always seems like chickens were doing that for (laughs) Lost in Space was on right after uh, on Channel Twenty Nine in Buffalo at uh, four o'clock for like like half a decade. Oh my god! Okay, score break, please, very quickly. Joe, four, and Tara, seven. Okay, we're only halfway through, so there's plenty of time. Here we go. Late night with Conan O'Brien. I'm gonna suck at all these late night ones. Look around you. That was Look Around You from the UK. Hello. 
was a tough one, but Tara, don't let your new employers find out you didn't know it. That was liquid television. <gasps> oh, fuck! <laughs> liquid television. <laughs> Law and Order Special Victims Unit. <laughs> I went through a seizure oh, right there. You did. Oh. My tongue paralyzed itself. <laughs> Lois and Clark? Nice. Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. Living dolls? Got a guess, Joe? I don't. The L word. Oh, the L word. Okay. I stand by both of mine. If you guess, <laughs> living dolls. Guesses. Do you remember That's that a, show? Yeah, I do. Father Ted. <laughs> Good music. Well show? Good guess. Good this guess. is good music to go insane to. Monty Hall's Let's Make a Deal. Let's make a deal. Sure. All right. Score break? Ten. Five. Okay. Uh, You still got time to pull this out, Joe. Oh, shit. Louis. Yeah. Late show with Craig Ferguson was correct. Oops, sorry. This is a, <laughs> something happened here. All right, we'll just skip that one. I have a spare. Oh shit! Come on, guys. I know. I know. Oh, Or Joe? Joe, you can guess. Little Rascals. Oh, of Little course. Rascals. Leave it to Leave Beaver. Leave it to Beaver. Tara. Thanks for putting it in my head. Uh, LA Law. All right, and our last one. This was the former tiebreaker. Now the <laughs> last question. Looney Tunes. Correct. Good job. Looney Tunes. It's semi-respectable question mark. All right, uh, the score break. Joe? I have seven. And Tara? Thirteen. All Thirteen. Right. Well done. Tara! Tara! Congratulations, Tara, on the first victory of the new game time season. Well, that's it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We caught up on what we watched over the holidays at the theater and on TV, and we chatted up the lost episode, House of the Rising Sun, but ultimately decided it was not canon-worthy. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Tara was the winner of the first game time of this new season. Don't forget our daily fun size offering, Extra Hot Great Minis, are back this week, starting Tuesday. Head us on Twitter, Facebook, and at our site at extrahotgreat.com. Remember, we're listening. Ah.
I am David T. Cole on behalf of Tara Ariano. I'm on my honeymoon. And Joe Reed. Schlemiel Schlemazel. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Great. I thought for sure your closer was going to be fuckity bye. <laughs> That's why I didn't say it.